So Brad, what I want to do now is, is, is move on to this world of study habits and, and kids studying. And, 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 you know, we, we really have a focus here at St. Andrews to really see our students uh, become the best version of themselves possible. We have, uh, you know, my, my head of learning here says, this is, the, this is a school where no matter what type of kid you are, you will succeed. There's a success uh, story for you. Like if you're great at music, if you're great at sport, if you're great academically, if you're the great all rounder type kid, if you're just a kind, caring kid, there's service learning opportunities. We, you know, before COVID, we, every year we, we send so many kids overseas to work in, in um, underprivileged areas around the world. We do lots of great stuff here and there's so many great things that kids uh, can find themselves doing here at St. Andrews. But for a lot of parents, and I think myself as a parent too, I wanna know how do I help my kid learn best? Um, things around study habits. Uh, it, it's such a strange world when you head into adolescence and there's a million things going on in that brain. We've already, we talked about the brain earlier. And what are the study habits in this digital world? Uh, even if you've got some stories during COVID, in this digital world, what are the study habits? I mean, we we found we had to implement into our virtual school world. Uh, we had to say to kids, stop, go for a five minute break. Your next class is gonna start a little bit later. You've been in front of a screen, go for a walk, walk the dog, take the garbage out, have a conversation with mum and dad. So we actually found ourselves having to practice, uh, you know, really putting those things into place. So what are the study habits? What, what are the, how can we as parents put some things in place to help our kids you know, utilize technology to, to do amazing things. And we do see great stuff done here with technology, but also manage it well. Um, what are your thoughts around that? And what have you been seeing? Sure. Well, let's look at some of the actual studies coming out of Australia, just to, to quickly identify some of the problems so that we can chip away at these problems. Sure. Uh, this comes from the conversation and the headline obviously says students less focused, empathetic and active than before. Technology may be to blame. I just want to point out a couple of quotes from this. Teachers say most students have lost the ability to focus, are less empathetic, and spend less time on physical activity. These are some of the results from our Growing Up Digital Australia study, in which we surveyed almost 2,000 teachers and school leaders across Australia. We asked them how students from primary school to year 12 have changed in the last five years and what might explain these changes. Nearly four out of five teachers said they saw a decrease in students' ability to focus on learning tasks 80% saw a decline in students' empathy, and 60% observed students spending less time on physical activity. Brett, the reason I bring this up, again, is not to make educators or parents to feel bad. It's just this is being observed across the board. It's not just from people like me who uh, I get accused sometimes of just having a beef with technology. That is the furthest thing from the truth. I love education. I, I believe in these students. I honestly, you know, the call that God's put on my life, I want to see everyone do well. And if there's something hindering that, uh, I think we can either modify it, in some cases get rid of it, uh, but I think modify would be the, the, the way we should go when dealing with this. So some of the study habits that we constantly observe with students. Um, I always say no multitasking ever. So here's what a student will sit down to do. They'll sit down, for example, um, to do their maths homework. And as I mentioned before on those brains, uh, the brain animation, if they have 
a wall in their brain or some resistance tolerance built up to high, very high stimulating activities. They're going to be bored. And if they have a phone near them, what are they going to do? They're going to grab their phone, their mobile, and they're going to go to Instagram or TikTok or something like that. And then they will jump back and do their maths. And then the dopamine levels will, will decrease. They'll have a little bit of boredom, anxiety. And so the brain will say, why don't you just jump over to Fortnite or Minecraft and get to the next level? And then they'll jump back and resume their math. So when we ask students, how long do you spend, for example, uh, doing your math homework or your math homework? Sometimes I forget which country I'm in, uh, Brad, if I was supposed to say maths or <laughs> math. Mathematics. Mathematics, say mathematics yeah. for, the, for the traditional amongst us. <laughs> I've been home for a little while, so I've gotten back in the habit of saying math. But we'll say, how long do you do your math before you grab your phone? And, and they really believe this. Perceptually, they'll say, oh, I study about 20 minutes, and then I'll check my email for, for just a couple of minutes. The reality is, and there's some research behind this, they're only spending two minutes on a legitimate subject before they get bored, and they can spend anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour on social media, on the video game, and et cetera. And, but perceptually, they really do, I believe, think they're telling me the truth. And then there are some of the honest ones who go, nah, I know, I'm actually on there you know, a long time. And there's some research, especially that shows, uh, there's a big research project in which they actually had cameras on a bunch of students. They knew the cameras were there and they were only studying two minutes before they grabbed their mobiles and were doing other things. So the students in reality are spending far more time on the non-productive or the consuming things. We break this down into two categories, things that are producer, like their maths, their English history, those sorts of things, even if it's on a screen. And then the consumer activities are things that consume you, which would be the Netflix binging and all of that. The truth is, if a parent turns their back on that child or that student, they are going to spend the bulk of their time on the entertainment. And that is where the problem lies. It's not the digital learning platform all, always. It's mostly that there's not spending very much time. And I said at the very beginning of these podcasts that we found here in America in some of our major cities, uh, Boston and Los Angeles, very few students, or maybe only 50% of the students were even logging in, but we know they're online. And it's because they're going to get a lot of dopamine from the consuming things, not so much from the education. And that is what needs to be corrected. And so we'll get into that, I'm sure, uh, in these podcasts. Absolutely. And, and as you just were talking about that, I got a notification pop up on my screen <laughs> and I lost my train of thought for a very brief moment. Yep. There you go. Point in case, and they are, I'm going over to the little toggle that says do not disturb. That's good. <laughs> and so you've got my attention now, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And, and I see those practical things. Okay, so let me uh, play a bit of devil's advocate here with you. Sure. And and look, to be honest, I, I'm a parent who works long hours. Um, uh, I'm working hard to send my kids to a great school. Um, to provide everything I possibly can. And, and I won't get home at 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. But you know what? I've got to feed some hungry mouths. I've got to cook. Uh, I'm trusting my kids are off in their room doing their homework. Yeah, that's that's a tough ask, mate. Um, what are some things practically you've seen? And, you know, look, we, we can be as obvious as possible here, but practically how do we how do we manage that? Um, cause it is hectic when we all get home and yeah. kids are doing homework and as they get older, they're doing more homework and more study. How do you manage that? Brett, listen, um, I have a lot of, uh, believe it or not, I do have a lot of friends with kids, even though I do what I do. 
<laughs> and I, I go into their homes and I know that, especially during COVID, um, they, they have so many things, you know, working from home is a challenge, especially when mm. you have the kids and, you, you know, they're not at school now. You have to manage them. Most of the time I go to these homes, Brett, these children are on screens. And the reality is there is nothing that can be done outside of hiring someone to come in. I know that economically that's just not feasible. Uh, for some people, that's not a problem. But that is a solution for those who are able to do it, to keep your child focused so that you can do your work. My heart does go out to the single parent or the two-parent home where economically they both have to work and the screen is the absolute perfect babysitter. But the truth, which there's someone very famous who said the truth will free you, <laughs> even though it may be a bit painful, um, yep. the truth is, Brett, there's not a digital babysitter that will work. Um, mm. so, so the ultimate goal with my new book, for example, is to detox the children, however long that takes, so that when you do give them lesser stimulating activities like a regular book printed on paper, uh, kicking them outside to go play, they're not bored out of their mind with doing those activities so that you can get your work done. So it really depends on the economics as to how you solve it. If you have money, then you can hire someone, and that's really all that you can do. You're going to have to have a human to babysit that child in the analog world. And if you don't, you have to detox them so that the lesser stimulating activities do not bore them and cause them the anxiety and the withdrawals. Yeah, look, um, you know, an article I was reading recently from a, a, a principal in another school was was writing about the the missed opportunity we've had in this day and age of family dinner conversation. I know that sounds strange, but... Yeah, I was reading that that sort of convicted me a bit. And we, we, we've started just structuring the family dinner conversation. We will all sit, have a meal together. We'll have a conversation about the day. We'll talk about the highlights of the day. We'll, we'll just engage and extend dinner by 10, 15 minutes, as much as I really want to get that four-year-old in bed. Uh, some days you, yeah. you want him out. Uh, that was one tactic that this uh, principal was was talking about, and I think that's it's of great value. The, the other thing... Um, and, and you and I, that we've talked about these things before, and they're not solutions, but they're, they're potentially roadblocks that can help. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a little product in our home called the Disney Circle, and, and it allows me and my wife to control the time limits on mm -hmm. different things. Uh, it, it sends the whole network to sleep by a certain time. There's a bedtime and a wake time. Uh, and we've got resources for that, and, and I'll make those available for, for our folk that are listening. Those things... Talk about that. I mean, they they help. They're not a solution because we've got clever kids here. Yeah. They work out ways to get around those things. Yeah. But are they worthwhile? You know, putting that little device in the home, particularly if you've got younger children, just to help form some good habits. Yes, they're definitely worth doing. Um, as you know, and as I've mentioned, I work with the Queensland Police. They call them roadblocks. Uh, Sergeant mm -hmm. Nigel Dalton, not a solution. So it's definitely worth having. But let me tell you some of the pitfalls that we find. Some of those, uh, if you're using particularly a router, uh, they have to be updated periodically. Um, a lot of times uh, updates are missed, and then it re can require quite a bit of scheduling, and parents start off with a bang, and as we all do, we get busy, and that's where the problems lie. The other thing that we find that many parents don't, do not understand the difference between their Wi-Fi and 4G, but the kids do. So they'll set everything up on the Wi-Fi and every, all the filters are working and the time scheduling, but then the kid just flicks that off, jumps over to a SIM card, and voila, they're out on the Internet and the parents, you know, just don't understand that sort of thing. 
So we, it, we, it runs the gamut. So what we would suggest that you do, definitely have those. But if you are not tech savvy as a parent, you know, call Brett if you attend St. Andrews. No, no, no. But you need Thanks, to, Brad. <laughs> but you need to you get, want to give out my phone number too, do you? <laughs> well, you, you really need Absolutely. watching That's what this. We're here for. I know. <laughs> I was thought, oh, I'm going to get this poor guy so busy. But you need someone to come over and show you really with, with a hands-on or go to the school, have a parent meeting. You know, that's where a lot of what mm -hmm. I do. If I were with you physically right now, we might even have a – at this time we might have yeah. even been have a parent meeting where we put project this stuff on the screen and show what to look out for but that is just a help the other last thing i'll mention we also find that kids have multiple phones they have phones that the school sees the parent sees and then they have some that nobody sees but them and their friends so all of these things have this is one of the reasons why this doesn't work but yes you should definitely have it but there's no substitute for a parent being on site yeah and look, uh, parents, if you do go to the SAIL website, uh, there are links to the presentation that I did with some colleagues last year where we actually go the, through the pragmatics of setting up those things. Um, and we had some outstanding feedback from from um, uh, from parents who did implement that. And I personally, um, yep, it's a, it's a good roadblock, as, as Brad said. And for us, um, yeah, the getting past things with a mobile phone. Well, mobile phones don't live anywhere but the charging dock and the kitchen bench. And, That's good. Um, and, and there's technology now with to even parental controls to shut that mobile down after certain hours. So we've got some resources there to help parents as well. Uh, just while we're on study habits and learning, I just want to finish um, that this part with one contentious well, there's been a lot of contentious um, thoughts. Um, How would you like to have Brad, my job? <laughs> yeah, we're recording this early August. This week was a busy week for my um, my technical team. We rolled out a product to all our uh, student devices, and, and we've, we, we've been doing this for a number of years. Well, the school's been doing this for a number of years, but we updated uh, a few filters and things on our school devices um, from grade right through the school but our students don't, don't start taking a personal device home until grade five so they're about 11 12 years old so um we put out these uh, filters that basically block the nasties no matter where the device goes it's not just at school wherever the device goes now as we say they're roadblocks um they're not they're not guarantees one of the policies we've put in place brad and i want your comments on this because I have not been given many smiles from my students this week because we made the decision. It's always been in our school policy, but we actually followed through with this now uh, as far as you having the technology that can do it. We've blocked video gaming on our devices permanently. We grappled with this. We went, but if the school device is in home and it's their own time, do we really need to? And at this present moment, we have blocked, um, our video games, no matter where the device goes. Those games, um, when we look at the logs, um, Steam Online, mm -hmm. Epic Games, Fortnite. So I'm not a, f uh, the kids aren't really uh, happy with that, many of the kids. In fact, I, I would probably say it's not a, it's a loud minority. Mm -hmm. um, we have some outstanding students here who have actually come to us and said, we understand why you're doing that. Yeah. Don't like it, but we understand. So Brad, we've blocked video games um, on the school device. And I've said to kids, if, if, if gaming is your thing, then you've got to talk to your parents about another platform, another space where that happens. But on the school device, it's for teaching and learning. No. That was a tough call. Have we done the right thing, Brad? 
And what does a parent say to a student who's like, I don't like this, mum. Not fair. Brett, when I wrote my first book in this series called The Dark Side of Technology, I was an advocate of balance with the video mm. games. But by the time digital cocaine rolled around a few years later, I had completely changed my mind. And it has to do with the neuroscience, those brain scans that we talk about. It has to do with just mm. story after story and the research showing what these video games are doing and getting in the way of more important things such as interpersonal relationship and academics and spirituality and things like that. So um, for the parent, yes, you, you absolutely did do the right thing because, Brett, the reality is the vast majority of our homes here in America and in Australia, New Zealand, and, and, and even impoverished countries, third world or developing countries such as South Africa, most homes have gaming consoles or they have another computer where the kids are gaming. And so if it's a school device, um, there's not a thing, in my opinion, wrong with saying, look, this is about academics. And as you correctly said, that decision to allow those uh, children to game after what we've educated them with, that will be up to the parents. That's their decision. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, reading, writing and arithmetic and using some digital technology to accomplish those goals is fine. But the truth of the matter is those video games, as evidenced by all the stuff I've already brought up, and, and look, we mm. could spend an enormous amount of time on this. I've changed my mind in digital cocaine that it has to be, um, one of the options has to be that video games are not a part of our home. That has to become an option. Uh, I'm not mm. saying hard and fast, but if it's mm -hmm. just out of control and it is controlling their lives, their academics, their interpersonal relationships, mm. relationship with parents, that at least has to be considered and not yep. thrown out. And that is a hard call. I'm glad that you made that call, uh, Brett, to help empower parents to say, look, we it's not just us. You know, so many parents are looking for people like me to come and fix their kids. And uh, and I'm happy to say, look, I'll be the scapegoat. You know, if I'm the expert here, really, it has to become an option. And if a parent has said, you know what? This is just drug on for months, maybe even years, and it's not getting any better. In fact, it's getting worse. There's not a thing in the world wrong with not having video games and for the school to also say, you know what, mm -hmm. this is just not, we're going to carve that section out and reserve that for digital academics. Yeah, and look, to, to wrap this part up, I think um, one of the exciting things that we're investigating and, and taking our time investigating, we haven't jumped into it yet, but we're, there is a, a very well managed and uh, research project by one of our local universities here and the Anglican Schools Commission, who were a, a diocese known school, uh, that are looking at the esports for kids. And what they're looking into is how can we deliver a whole package around this world of online entertainment? that brings kids into a world that understands the well-being, that looks at a range of different things. And, and one of the projects that they're looking at and um, we're really interested to investigate further is these e-sport competitions that are becoming huge around the world. Um, what, what does an e-sport athlete, and this is the term they're using, actually do? And, and what they're finding is these are people who exercise regularly. Mm -hmm. They eat they well. Take, they eat well. Mm -hmm. They take brain breaks. They do all these things. And so we're really excited to look, just carefully move into that space and make it as an opportunity for some of our kids who really are engaged uh, heavily and maybe to a detrimental uh, extent. Uh, move the, their interest into this space and have a look at it because I think it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting area. And as you say, every kid's different 
as you say, op- one of the options is just no gaming. Um, but the decision we've made is because of that sort of multitasking and that flipping back and forth that you've just spoken about, trying the best we can to put the roadblocks in place that say, hey, this device is for your learning. And and uh, so I'm glad, you know, this is an evolving process, isn't it? And uh, we're learning more and more. And as you said, your your opinion changed just between writing two books. So, But Brad, yeah, I would I, also I, recommend that folks keep an eye on South Korea. South Korea has the best gamers in the world, but they also have, according to uh, the latest or the book that I quoted a little bit from Dr. Nicholas Cardaris, when I first wrote my books, uh, South Korea had 200 digital detox rehabilitation centers. Now they have 400, according mm-hmm. to Dr. Cardaris. So sometimes, um, I mean, you really, I would say, you know, when you have a tryout for sport yep. to see, yep. I would recommend a tryout for that and closely monitor and then identify yep. the ones who can't handle it. That's yeah, what I would absolutely. recommend. And that's the intention and that's the the um, the use of some the researchers at QUT that are, are part of this to monitor how these things are tracking and what they're doing. So we're really looking forward to, as I said, cautiously moving forward and, and investigating that further.